So I think the biggest mistake people make whenever they have a new idea of something they want to accomplish is to, is to think about the next 20 years as opposed to the next year. Because if you think about the next 20 years, it feels so overwhelming that it probably will, will not give you the motivation you need in order to do it. The better thing you can do is to say to yourself, all right, well, if I were to succeed in reaching that big, big plan, that big, big goal, what would the first year look like? And once you identify what the first year would look like, you say to yourself, you know what, I can do that. That's not overwhelming. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution, where we believe you shouldn't do it alone. Hashtag don't do 2018 alone is our motto. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. I am speaking, of course, of a personal friend of mine, the man who created the world's first transformational theater production, The Decide Show. He is the one, the only, the legendary Stuart Knight. Welcome to the show, Stuart. <laughs> yeah, my God. No, that's the best damn intro I have ever received ever. I mean, maybe, Nikki, I can take you on the road with me and you can introduce me everywhere I go. <laughs> hey, Stuart, be a pleasure. Be an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Stuart, I've known you for a long time. I met you when you and the late, great Donish Ahmed put on the Decide Show in Toronto in the middle of the first decade of the 2000s. And mm-hmm. I've always been impressed by your fire by your energy. You have taken that and created a brand, the Stuart Knight brand. You've taken that into a speaking career. You've written books. You've got online programs. You're a thought leader's thought leader. The people listening to this show are excited to hear from you. They want to know your hacks on how you went from where you were to being this well-known thought leader in demand speaking all over the world. Stuart, tell us your story. Wow, you know what? Well, I can, you know, to give you 20, what, 22 years in a nutshell, and uh, you were definitely there, uh, probably in the middle of it where we first met. If you go into the, the, the very past, I was one of those guys who graduated with a degree in business and economics from one of the best schools in the country. And it was one of those things where it was like, okay, you absolutely have to go out there and get a job in the corporate world, which, of course, is nothing wrong if people want to do that, but it just didn't feel right to me. And so at the time when I was in university, um, I'd always felt comfortable being on stage. And I had started writing these speeches for basically young people, high school students, elementary students, speeches that I hope would motivate them to want to really live out their dreams and to push themselves further. And I never thought I'd actually be able to make it into an actual career. It was just something I was doing almost as a hobby on the side. And so I would do free speeches all over the place during university. And I would speak to my student council or once in a while, someone would, would see me and I'd speak to their club on campus. And then from there, people um, started saying to me like, hey, you know what? My mom is the principal of a high school. You know, I could talk to her. You could go do a speech there. And I was like, all right, cool. So sure enough, after a short period of time, I'd find myself in, in high schools doing speeches and they'd start saying to me, how much do you charge? And I was like, I'd never thought about that. And so I would start doing speeches in high schools. And, and, and that was a thing I was doing on the side while I was in university. And then after I graduated, I started doing a little bit of work because you had to pay the bills. 
But I was really hooked to this idea of being able to use my skill set to help people kind of live out their dreams and to go further. So I decided to write a specific show for students, which was a motivational show that had three performers in it, one one being myself. And we were slugging away, just like any other young entrepreneurs, trying to get people to hear us, trying to get people to pay attention to us. And eventually, though, I caught the uh, the eye of Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola said, wow, this is a really great show. It's really motivating. We want to give you away as a gift to our best customers across the country. So we became this prize, essentially, to the to these high schools. And we started touring the country with Coca-Cola. And uh, we did that for three years. And as I was doing that, I was noticing the adults in the audience, the principals, the vice principals, the teachers. They were just so into the show just as much as the students were. Uh, they really loved this, uh, taking the ideas of motivation, self-development, to professional development, and turning it into something that was funny and something that was theatrical. And that was where I got the idea of saying, well, maybe I should write something for the adult audience. And that was when I first wrote um, I Decide, as you mentioned in your intro, the musical. I decided that I needed to do this not just once in a while, though. I wanted to do this every single Saturday. I wanted there to be a kind of a, a Saturday night social alternative in the city of Toronto. So I took took over a loft space downtown Toronto and we fixed it up, we painted it, we filled in the cracks and the holes and we built the stage, built the lights and before you know it we built our own theatre in a place I was actually living in. And so that was a, a crazy experience and, and before you knew it there was a hundred people sitting in the audience watching this musical and really being pushed to make those kinds of decisions that would lead them to a greater life. And that show, as you may remember, ran for four years. And as I was doing that show, uh, I was writing other musicals. I wrote another musical called Shift, and then I wrote another show called Games. And all the while, as I was producing these shows, I ended up having uh, people who were in my audience who were working in the corporate market saying, man, this stuff is great. Do you do anything for the corporate market? Uh, and at the time, I wasn't, but I thought, hey, if you guys will pay me to do something there too, I'm, I'll, I'll spread the message anywhere, who, whoever wants to hear it. And that was my segue into the corporate market. And so that became my big thing at the time where I ended up really just kind of propelling in that market where, uh, as you mentioned today, I, I now am a, a professional speaker in the corporate market where I go around the world speaking to companies, helping them reach new levels of success by pushing them to think differently to, as I call it, boycott what you thought. Uh, and in the meantime, of course, there's, there's the whole online videos and all the books that, you know, that, that I've had to and wanted to write along the way and the blogs and the blogs. But the main thing today is me now traveling around, speaking to uh, people all around the world, teaching them to, uh, to push themselves further. And so there you go. There's 22 years in about, uh, I don't know, two minutes. Stuart, that's incredible. You know, what's Thank incredible you. is that you started off with an idea with a passion, and you mm -hmm. took that idea, you took that passion, and you turned it into a commercial enterprise. Mm -hmm. The people listening to this show, they're coaches, they're consultants, they're corporate trainers. Some of them might even be speakers and mm -hmm. authors and facilitators. Some of them might be, at the moment, a entrepreneur. Some of them might be well into their business and kicking ass and taking names. Some of them could actually be celebrity thought leaders. Some of the celebrity thought leaders I've had on this show actually listen to it. Kathy Ireland, you may remember her. She was a big supermodel in the 80s, and now she's like a near billionaire, if not a billionaire already, with Kathy Ireland Worldwide. She actually says she listens to our show now. After oh, she's been on well, it. I know. Kathy. Hello, Kathy. Absolutely. So <laughs> you've got some incredible people listening to this show, and they're all thinking to themselves, that's a really cool story. 
I'd like to figure out how I can be the steward knight of my niche or niche, as my American friends would say. And to me, there's some elements to becoming a successful thought leader. We've had a lot of success. Like you, Stuart, I went to some of the best schools. You know, I, I graduated magna cum laude from an Ivy League university uh, in international uh, relations and business and trade. You know, I was a top student. Uh, I was one of these guys who'd like be a Mensa person. All that's wonderful and great. But that's not what got me successful. What got me successful was the experiences I got through school as well as through life that took me to the next level. And those experiences are what became my world-class IP, my world-class intellectual property. So step number one, to be a thought leader, to be someone who's known for knowing something, someone who can commercially succeed with their practice, you got to have world-class IP. Stuart Knight, you have world-class IP. Talk about how you develop that world-class IP. And keep in mind that the person listening to the show is going to want to know what they can extrapolate from that that they can use themselves. So I think the biggest mistake people make whenever they have a new idea of something they want to accomplish is to, is to think about the next 20 years as opposed to the next year. Because if you think about the next 20 years, it feels so overwhelming that it probably will, will not give you the motivation you need in order to do it. The better thing you can do is to say to yourself, all right, well, if I were to succeed in reaching that big, big plan, that big, big goal, what would the first year look like? And once you identify what the first year would look like, you say to yourself, you know what, I can do that. That's not overwhelming. And so for me, the way I, I, I talk about it is I always say start anywhere because anywhere is a place. And a bunch of anywheres will lead you everywhere. And if you just make, and I know people call this the baby steps, call it whatever you want, but it's just literally the idea of taking action today, doing something today. So for example, right now I have this idea of really going uh, full out with my digital marketing. And oh my goodness, sometimes when I look at the whole thing about how you need to make sure that your, let's say Facebook advertising is making people land on the right landing page of your website. And that, that landing page has to make sure that it's capturing emails. And when you capture those emails, you need to be making sure you're getting the analytics of the individual so that you can follow up with videos for that person that they're going to actually like, as opposed to not be of interest to them and on and on and on, Nikki. And it makes me feel nauseous when I think about it. So the way I do is I break it up and I say, okay, well, if I were to write a 15-second commercial for Facebook right now, not 10 or 20, but if I wrote one, what would that look like? And I take a piece of paper and a pen and I write the 15-second commercial. And that might be all I end up getting done in one particular day. But as long as you're committed to doing one more the following day, before you know it, within 10 days, you'll have 10 commercials written. And then you say to yourself, okay, well, if I were to film one of those commercials, when would I do it? Where would I schedule it? In front of what type of backdrop would I shoot it in front of? And then you just shoot one of those videos. Before you know it, it's amazing how much work you've accomplished. That was the way I approached my very first book that I wrote. I felt so overwhelmed at the idea of writing a book. It just seemed like so many pages and so much content. So the way I did it was I committed myself to just writing at least uh, a page a day every single day. And of course, just by committing myself to that one page, you know how it goes. It wouldn't be one page. In many cases, it would be five or 10 pages. And before you know it, I had written a book in three months, but you had to stick to it every single day. I guarantee you that the people that are listening to the show who have been successful are nodding their heads right now. They understand that you can't just go, oh, I'll do a little bit of something today and then in, in a month from now, I'll do one other little small thing. It's like you're gonna wake up one day and you're gonna, you're gonna be 80 years old and all you will have done is about maybe 12 
small things and you'll be pissed off that you didn't live out your dreams. So that would be the, the, the first thing I would say to this is that you really need to make sure that you are doing a daily practice of leading yourself closer and closer toward your goals. And, and, and I don't want to go too far on a tangent because I know you have other, other questions, but that's, that's the first big thing I would say. Now, do you want me to go deeper into this or, or where do you want to go next? Well, I'll tell you, I think, I think it's a good idea to go a little bit deeper because yes, you do definitely need to do one thing minimum a day. I, I, I learned something from Robin Sharma. He, he, it, it's the five wins, three things you're grateful daily protocol. So mm-hmm. every morning when I get start my day, I write out five wins that I want to accomplish today. And at the end of the day, when I review my day, I write down three things I'm grateful for having done. Now, I also have a, a morning gratitude practice where I write down six things I'm grateful for and a morning brag practice where I write down three things I'm proud of having accomplished in my life mm-hmm. just to kind of build those reference points. But every day, if I write down five, for sure one or two are going to get done. That's it. That's it. I'm sitting here right now speaking to you uh, in this podcast, and I have a little yellow piece of paper stuck to my desk. And next to me, I've got four things that I need to accomplish today. And that's one of the things, too, that you need to do is you need to make it realistic. If you put 25 things down that you want to accomplish in one day, you're only going to leave yourself at the end of the day feeling shitty because you're going to be looking at that list and realizing you maybe only did three. And that means you did 22, 22 things you didn't accomplish. That doesn't feel good. So be realistic. Set up yourself to put goals down that you know that you can accomplish. At the same time, don't forget to stretch yourself too. Don't make it too easy when it comes to that list. But I love the fact that you're writing five things that uh, five wins that you want to have at the end of the day. Now, the other thing I'll say about this though is that you do need to put pressure on yourself. It's a video I'm going to be shooting soon for my database where I think that a lot of people they they don't discover what they're made of. They don't discover how great they are because they don't actually put enough pressure on themselves to discover what that is, right? It's like that situation where somebody finds themselves traveling and they find themselves in a horrific situation. Maybe they get kidnapped. Maybe uh, they're in the middle of an area where there's a landslide or an earthquake. And when they get home, one of the first things that they say is that I never knew I had that much strength. I never knew that I had that much willpower or that much creativity or whatever the thing happens to be to make, to make myself or get myself through that situation. And it's because they never found themselves in a position to have to discover what they're made of. And so when you're, get, when you're setting those goals and you're, and you're putting yourself uh, you know, the five wins that you want for that day or maybe it's five wins that you want for that month, you have to really put yourself into a position where you're putting enough pressure on yourself to really discover what it is that you're capable of doing. So for example, I have no sympathy when someone says that they want to become an entrepreneur, but they're too afraid to take, let's say, a $10,000 loan out. I mean, there was a time in my life that I was $250,000 in personal debt. And it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because when I was so far in debt, when you wake up in the morning and you're $250,000 of debt, now I'm, I'm talking line of credit and credit card debt, you, you are forced to put yourself into a position where your brain taps into solutions it never even knew existed. You will work harder than you've ever worked before. And when you work that hard, you start making phone calls to people that maybe you wouldn't have had the guts to make those phone calls before because you're like, I'm $250,000 in debt. 
I need, I need to call some these people, and I know it makes me feel uncomfortable, but if I don't do it, I'm a dead man. And I find that when I speak to a lot of people, and especially in the Western world, and I don't imagine that a lot of your listeners are in the Western world, we, we, have, we have it so easy. You know, we have, usually we're lucky enough to have parents who will help us out if we have a few financial problems, or we have uh, friends that support us, or we live in a world where just getting to and from work isn't too difficult. We have wonderful transit systems. So life is so easy, sometimes to a fault for people, because they can, if you want to coast in Western society, it's easy to coast. And, And I find that most people do. Yet the people who truly do great things are the ones who force themselves to not coast. They, they take out loans that make them want to puke. They, they, they quit jobs without uh, a security blanket or a, or a safety net. They leave relationships not knowing what the future might hold. They end friendships not knowing whether or not they'll be able to create those kinds of friendships again. And they were willing to take those risks and throw themselves into deeply, deeply uncomfortable situations. And in the process, they come out on top. They, they prove to themselves just how amazing they actually are. Stuart, that's powerful. I really like what you said at the beginning of this answer around debt and how that was the best thing that happened to you. You know, there's many people listening to this podcast and they're, they're thinking to themselves, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking about investing in myself and doing something to take my business to the next level. And many of them actually do that. But there are others who are thinking, oh my God, I don't have the money. I can't afford it. And that mindset keeps them stuck. They don't treat this like a business. They treat this like they're dabbling in something, like it's a hobby or something, or like they're looking at buying a motorcycle or a mink coat or something like that versus, you know, taking $5,000, $10,000, $20,000, taking a loan from the bank or whoever will give them the loan and coming up with the money to invest in a program, a program like the ones that we offer that really help people go from being stuck on a plateau or working way too hard, too many hours, not having enough time for their family and help them add 100000 to a $1 million to their annual income while working 10 to 20 hours a week less. That's a promise we make inside of our program. And the people that we do that for aren't afraid to invest in themselves, aren't afraid to take on business debt. There are two types of debt. There's personal debt done for, you know, vacations and things like that, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. And then there's business debt, debt you take on with the intention of getting a return on your investment to grow your business and grow your capacity to make income and create wealth for your family. What you just said is that second kind of debt is not only not a bad thing, it's an absolute necessity for many people if they're serious about their entrepreneurial goals and dreams. Yeah, I agree. And then people who out there are successful, they're already, let's say, making, well, I'll make it up, a million, two million, whatever you you consider to be a, a, a successful amount of income or just a successful and happy life, if they are already there, they then need to choose what that next level of risk is. So for them, it yes. might be a case where, you know, I now, I now need to take a, I don't know, a loan for $50 million and push myself to that next level if that's what you want to do. And I'm, I'm a very big advocate of saying you don't have to keep succeeding just because that's what society says. But if you want to see what you're made of, then it's up to you to kind of put yourself into that yet next uncomfortable situation. I, I always remember, um, 
like like Michael Jordan when when Michael Jordan won the scoring title, uh, I think he'd won it a couple of years in a row. And then there were critics out there that were suggesting that you know all he is is just a major offensive threat. But for him, he wanted to prove to himself that he was the best on all levels. So what he would do is, is that the following year, he would always set a goal for himself to win one of the other titles. So one of the other titles might be to be the defensive player of the year. One of the other titles might be to get the most steals in the game or most steals throughout the year uh, or the most blocks or the most um, assists. And each year when he would set those goals for himself, he would then accomplish that goal. He would be the guy who had the most assists because he wanted to be the most all-around player. And so he would he would set goals. And imagine a guy like that setting a goal for himself to become the number one blocker in the league when he's not even playing center. It's usually that goes to a center. He's He was um, whatever, he was a strong, a, a, a strong forward or whatever they call it. Yeah, shooting uh, guard. Yeah. So he that's not a, a title that someone like that gets. And he got it. And he got it because he he set himself an uncomfortable, in many cases, unrealistic, would someone say, goal. And he was willing to do the work to get there. And and I liked what you said about, you know, having to be willing to do that work. Um, I read an article, and some people who are listening to this right now may have seen this recently in in the news. And I just thought it was such a great example of this. There's a guy up in uh, Quebec, and he's a a hockey player, a 19-year-old guy, and he goes out to this outdoor rink. Uh, out in Mount, uh, Mont Tremblant area, and he skates every morning um, just to get his practice in. And one morning, not too long ago, I think it was a few weeks ago, or maybe a few months ago, um, a car pulls up to the ice, and it's nine thirty in the morning on a weekday. And he said to himself, as he tells the story, he says, "No one ever is there at that time of day except for myself." And he says, "And out of the car and walking up to the ice is none other than Sidney Crosby." And he goes, "Oh my God, this is crazy! Like one of my you know heroes." And he walks up, he said, what are you doing here? And Sidney Crosby said, you know, right now we're on a one-week vacation with the team. So I'm, I'm vacationing here up in Mont Tremblant. And he goes, um, but I wanted to come down to the ice because there was a particular part of my game I wanted to work on. So he goes out there. His girlfriend happened to be with him. He takes, she had a, an extra pair of boots in the car. He takes her boots, puts them out onto the ice and uses them as pylons. And asks this 19-year-old kid, hey, look, you know, I'm finding that when I come out of the corner on just this one side of the rink, that I, I'm, I'm getting um, the puck taken away from me too many times by, by, by uh, defensemen. And I want to figure out a way to, to perfect just that one minute part of his game. And so here's a guy who's on vacation. He's already considered the best player in the world. And on top of that, while all of his teammates are probably sitting in Mexico drinking margaritas, he's in cold parts of Canada out on an outdoor rink, still working on his game. And that's what it takes to be the best. And to me, I meet so many people, and I've even shot a video on this. It's on my website. I can't remember the title of it, but it's basically saying you you don't want it. Stop telling the world you want to be successful or you want to be happy or you want to live this great life. Because if you aren't willing to go into debt or if you aren't willing to take the risk, if you aren't willing to work as hard as a guy like Sidney Crosby, stop saying you want it because you really don't. That's so well said. And, you know, listener, if you're listening to this and you aren't getting up early and going to bed late, working on your craft, developing your IP, if you're not taking on a loan to invest in yourself in professional development in a program like E-Circle Academy or the E-Circle Academy Immersions or in the work that Stuart does, you're not serious. And if you're not serious, you're going to fail. You're going to stay stuck on a plateau. You're going to work too hard and burn out. And that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, I see this with people who um, who take my online program, and I know we'll talk about that later on. But one of my online programs, the Evolution Series, 
I see people sign up for it. They pay the money and then they'll do, let's say three of the 15 weeks. They get, they start big. Oh, they start big. They go into the first few weeks, but then it gets tiring. Then, you know, I have to do, oh, I don't want to do fourth week. I'm busy or I feel sick or, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me. And it's like, that is when you will find out what you're made of. That well, you, that, you're that's you're a, missing out on the biggest opportunity ever. That's a great segue into another aspect of thought leadership. One of the things that we believe makes for a successful seven-figure to eight or nine-figure a year thought leader practice is, a, is premium pricing. Many thought leaders, even celebrity thought leaders like yourself, we find undercharge. They charge based on what they think the market's going to bear or what the average price is rather than the value of the program that they're delivering. They tie their money, their, their pricing scheme to the competition or to time. And one of the great entrepreneurs of all time was a stock trader. In fact, he may be the greatest stock trader of all time. His name's Jesse Livermore. He lived about a hundred years ago. And he used to say, so they called him the great bear of wall street in the clash of 1929. He made $250 million in two days. That was $250 million in 1929 money. That's like 10 billion today. It's insane, right? That's crazy. Yeah. So Jesse Livermore used to say time is time and money is money. They're not the same. Time is time and money is money. They're not the same. Don't tie the two to get together. You don't get paid based on your time. Time isn't money and money isn't time. That blew me away. That's so powerful. I so, like that. I never heard that. Yeah, I know. Jesse Livermore, you want to go buy um, uh, Reminiscences of a Stock Operator by Edwin Lefevre, which is a fictionalized account of his life. And then there's another book uh, about Jesse Livermore, World's Greatest Stock Trader. Fascinating man, fascinating story. So, Interesting. yeah, really, really great stuff. So, what I find is that many thought leaders don't get past an income plateau because they don't charge enough. They may think an online program should be somewhere between $500 and $1,000. Well, I learned from Mark Von Muser, my mentor, who works with this guy, Russ Rafino, and those guys talk about premium pricing in a big way. And I thought I charged a good buck, but they, they came to me and they said, you don't charge enough. Mm-hmm. So our program, we used to charge you know, way less than we do now. And we're giving a little bit more right now than we did, but we're charging what the program is worth, or, or at least according to Mark, half what the program's worth because he thinks we should be charging double uh, right. what we're charging right now. What are your thoughts on premium pricing? How is this something you're thinking about? How is this something you've developed for yourself? And how is this something you want to continue to develop for yourself? Well, you know, it's an interesting question because I remember when I first started out as a speaker and I'll never forget the first time I got paid $500 to speak and it was at a high school and my brother had had to be, I didn't even own a car. He had picked me up from, uh, from university, drove me to this high school. Uh, I did the speech and we're walking out and I, and I, with a smirk on my face, I showed him the check. We've got $500. You, you, you would have thought I had $5 million in my hand at the time, Nikki. And I thought that it was an astronomical amount of money for someone to pay me to do something I enjoyed doing for one hour of my time. And now fast forward to today where normally for a, a corporate presentation, it would, it's, it's not uncommon for me to charge $10,000 uh, for a presentation. So that said, there are people who are in my industry, uh, like let's say Barack Obama, who will charge $250,000 for a speech that is the same amount of time as that was what I would charge. Now, the irony is, is that I would argue that if you put me in front of a thousand people 
And I have one hour with them to teach them what it is that I know and what I've learned over the last over well over 20 years. And Barack Obama has the same amount of time. I would argue that the $10,000 investment in me is way better than the $250,000 investment of Barack Obama. <laughs> I will actually give them skills that they're going to be able to apply that are going to make those thousand people more successful at their jobs. And I think Barack Obama is someone really, it's really fun to get a selfie with him. And I don't think it adds a lot of value to the company. And I, and I nothing against Barack Obama or any of those speakers. I do think that they have value and they, they bring a certain sense of worth, but I think it gets inflated. So, and there is a number that is a crazy number too. Like if you were to charge, let's say a, a $1.5 million for your, the program you're currently offering right now, you may say, all right, there is a limit to how much I can charge. However, I agree with you 100%. When I, and I've been a culprit of this, I am a guy that has charged on many occasions in my life too little for the value of what a person is actually getting. Even back to the days when we were doing the musicals, we used to charge $25 for a ticket. I know. There were people, <laughs> there were people coming, coming to the show, walking out saying, I am going to take an enormous risk in my life now because of watching that show. And that risk had led them to, you know, a six figure salary because of a $25 ticket. We should have charged them $1,500 to come see the show. You should have. So yeah, in, in hindsight, I realize that now. And even my online program, I know that guys like you and other people in my industry are like, Stuart, what are you doing? The value a person gets from your program should be, you know, you should be charging $2,500, not $500. And I get it. I think there's a, there's, a, there's a really important point there. So I think for me, though, that an individual is long, they have to be very clear on the value that the, the value proposition, because I see people who, and I've seen this quite a few times, especially in the speaking industry, where people will come into the industry and they actually don't have a track record of being able to really hold court with a thousand people, two thousand people. They're not they're not really as fantastic on stage as they think. They're effective, but they're they're not gurus in the industry. But they took a program that told them that they should start charging forty thousand dollars for a speech as a way of um, gaining that credibility in the uh, in the market. And I think that's silly because I think you can't. There's only so, so much faking it until you, you can actually make it. However, on the flip side of that, if somebody actually does bring great value, for example, your program, you know that you've seen it, that the value it has, you've seen people's lives being changed, you've seen the results. So for that reason, when you know you bring great value to the table, the same way that I know that when I get up in front of a thousand people, I know those thousand people after hearing me speak are all going to be able to generate another thousand to ten thousand to a hundred thousand dollars with the business for that company that the ten thousand dollar investment is more than fair to charge them that for what they're going to actually get from it and i agree with you if you do know that you bring the value to the table you have to own it you can't go in with the attitude of oh listen you know what um you don't have to but if you want to i'm totally cool with like you just paying half price for now and if you want to put on a payment program you can do that or if you want to just you know you know what don't even pay just 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 do it for free and then tell your friends about it like if you if you go in with that attitude you're devaluing what it is that you bring to the table and you're just you're just never going to reach that ultimate goal that you're trying to get to
you are not going to be able to. And I really like what you said about clarity because it's a nice segue into the next key pillar of thought leadership, which is clarity. You got to have clarity about your message and it's got to be a message that's for a clearly defined market niche or niche. So clarity is important in your message. You need to have something that a very particular group actually cares to hear. And so many people say, I can do anything for everybody. I can be your relationship, your financial, your sex life, your income, your health guru. And that's just not how it works. You need to focus on one particular area, in my opinion, and you need to have a particular group with what the great Mark Von Muser says, a bleeding neck problem, a level 10 problem that you can help them solve. What say you to the importance of clarity and how you've woven that into your success? That's right. You know, I, I, I agree with your mentality about really focusing on one thing, maybe two things. And I see this with a lot of people that I mentor who they are, they're not lying when they say that they're talented in many different areas. They can do many different things. However, you shouldn't do many different things. It's, it's like the classic artist who's, who's a very good musician. They know how to paint and they're actually a great dancer and lucky for them that they're so blessed. But don't try to make money in all three of those areas. Pick one, run with it, and make that your thing. I talk about this with my, my own brother. who He's a handyman. And he, in, his, in his business, he offers all kinds of different things. He offers painting. He offers, you know, he can, he can do your lighting. He can put up shelves. He can clean out your garage. All kinds of handyman uh, jobs that he can do for you. And he charges an hourly rate. And he makes an okay living off of it. And I said to him one time not too long ago, I said, Jeffrey, what what would you say is the one area within your business that you make your greatest margins? And he thought about it and he said, oh, that's easy. It was painting. I mean, it, it, it's easiest, uh, greater, greater economies of scale. And I make more margins on that than I do any other thing. And I said, okay, you need to become a painting company. Stop doing everything else or make a transition period over the next year where you change your website to being a painting company. And you can, if you want, you can have a, oh, by the way, I do odd jobs in order to pay your bills while you go through that transition. But you need to focus on one thing. And that was, that was a game changer for me. When, uh, when I, I was able to write musicals, I had a great high school show. I was doing events in the city of Toronto and I was doing corporate speaking and I was doing you know on and on and on all these different things. And I was actually quite good at all of them. But what I found was, and this comes back to that value proposition, that when by me trying to offer all of those to all those different audiences, I was never becoming amazing at one particular thing. And when I decided to go with and choose one horse, which happened to be my corporate speaking and make that my thing, that was when everything changed for me. That was when my career went through the roof. That's when I I propelled forward faster than ever before. And I will say that it doesn't mean you need to only focus on that one thing for the rest of your life. I'm now in a position where I make enough money and I've had a certain amount of success that has allowed me the freedom to do those other projects that maybe were put on the back burner for the last 10 years. But now I get to do them with all the resources that I never had before and with the time I never had before. So you've got to focus. You've really got to, you know, you can't feel bad about saying no to the things that you're good at, even though you happen to be good good at more than one thing. Choose one thing that you're just really awesome at and kick ass at that first. Well said.
Well said. And within the E-Circle uh, Academy uh, programs, one of the things that we teach people is once you position yourself as a thought leader and you've made one thing really kick and work well, you can create different market niches. You can create different messaging. You can deliver in different ways. And that segues nicely into our next point, to be successful as a thought leader, to go to the next level of income you need to leverage. So example, if you're mostly doing speaking right now, and you want to go to the next level, a big thing you can do is create some powerful online training programs that you charge way more than $500 for Stuart. We'll talk about that later. Another <laughs> thing that you can do is that you can start doing some very high-level one-on-one mentoring for people. So most people who are in the coaching industry might charge, you know, $500 to $2,000 a month. Stuart, you could charge $50,000 to $250,000 a year to coach some very high-level leaders in the world. That could be yeah. something that could be powerful. Mm-hmm. Other thing that you could do is you could put together a very powerful mastermind and educational program, high, high level that you charge between $50,000 and half a million dollars a seat for. Those are the kinds of things that become possible. You could go from primarily working with a particular segment of corporate to working for another segment of corporate. Your message could shift because you've got expertise in different ways. That's mm-hmm. what we teach people. That's what we learned from Matt Church in Australia with Thought Leaders Business School. That's That's what we learned from Mark Von Muser, who helped Tony Robbins take his business to the next level. That's what we learned organically ourselves from the work we've done with our clients and the work that we've done ourselves in building our business. Stuart, what are your thoughts on leverage and the importance of leverage in building a seven to nine figure a year thought leader practice while working 10 to 20 hours less per week? Well, you know, you touched on this a little bit before we were talking with the stockbroker, and I remember sitting down with a guy named Abe Schwartzman when I was 25 years old, and so I'm 44 now, so it was, I guess, almost, I probably even, yeah, whatever, 20 years ago, call it. He said to me something that always stuck with me. He said, you know, one thing, the best piece of advice I can give you is to understand that it takes the same amount of effort to make a million dollars as it does to make $100,000. He says, it's the same amount of time, so you might as well aim to make a million dollars. And so I think that segues nicely into what we're talking about here, and that is the idea that if you're going to do something, you might as well do it at the highest level you possibly can. I've always talked about this with um, real estate agents. I've always wondered why real estate agents, if they're going to spend as much time as they do creating relationships, going to networking events, you know, getting property to sell and, 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 and creating those contacts, why would you sell a house when you can sell a building? Or why would you sell a building when you can sell a whole block? I've always felt and I recognize that one takes longer, but at the end of your year, it would be more, it'd make more sense to sell the bigger ticket item than it would be the lower ticket item. I, and I feel about this like people who are in sales in the corporate world, when they, who, for people who work well, a salary plus commission, and I'll say, well, what do you sell? And they'll say, oh, well, I sell products that you know, are, are $5 a piece. And I think, my God, you have to sell millions of those in order to make any kind of significant commission. Why don't you just sell things that are $5 million a piece and just sell two or three of them a year as opposed to trying to sell hundreds of thousands of $5 pieces of things? So you're gonna, you always want to, to leverage what it is that you're currently doing to get what I find are the higher ticket price items. And, and you hit the nail on the head. So for a guy like me, I have a database of, of about uh, 12,000 people right now who, who follow my videos once a week. And uh, they arrive on their inbox and people love them and they're, they're usually they're motivational videos meant to inspire you, meant to make you laugh, meant to make you think differently. And of those 12,000 people, 
I have a choice. I could leverage them in a way to say, hey, everybody, I've got, why don't you, why don't you buy my book? And that's great. If people want to buy my book, I'm proud of my book. And I know my book has a big impact or one of my books, you know, is always going to have a big impact. However, um, it's, it makes way more sense for me to get 10 of them to buy into a program that's going to really revolutionize their life. And it's funny that you say this. I am, I am working on a, on a, on a mastermind idea as in the last few weeks that, that, um, you know, for this very reason, because get, get 10 or 20 of them to buy in at, like you say, 10, 20, 30, $50,000, even more, and then leverage that income to market and to create a bigger network and to get 10, 20, 30 more and keep doing that. And then eventually you get 50 and then you get a hundred and you're keeping your price point the same or you're increasing it as opposed to the, you know, the, the idea of me slugging away day in, day out, trying to get five or 10 people or, or 50 or 100 people to buy one book off my website and I'm going to make the margins $12 a book. What's, what's going to net me, what, 600 bucks after a lot of work. It's way better to make 60000 than it is to make 6600 And it's about the same amount of time, the same amount of work. So I agree with you. Go for it. Leverage what it is that you have available to you to go for the higher ticket items to a smaller group of people. Well, that's very powerful. So uh, Matt Church, who we, we've done some work with and has done some mentoring for, for us, one of the programs he offers in Australia is called Thought Leaders Business School. That's a $30,000 a year Australian program. And they have somewhere between 150 and 200 people that do that program. So of the things he does, because he does other things that make him money, he's the number one speaker in Australia and so forth. That is a big moneymaker for him. Mm-hmm. Russell Rufino of Clients on Demand signs up over a million and a half dollars of a $9,000 US program every month. Oh, every man. month doing that, that similarly. He also then leverages and sells a high level mastermind at 85,000, and he got over 100 people into that. So that's almost 10 million from that just right there. Well, my clients, three of my clients in doing masterminds that we showed them how to do, because listen, it takes a certain, you got to get rid of mind trash for people. Even a man like you, even a man like me, we've got our own mind trash. We help people not do this alone. Doing it alone is a very, very bad idea. We -hmm. took this fella, Dan Nisker, two and a half years ago. June 9th, 2015, he made $18,000 in the previous 12 months. In 2017, he made $1,010,530 from the leverage points I talked about. And so far this year, we're now near the end of March when we're recording this, although it'll probably come out in June. The income he's made is $412,500 so far this year with what we've helped him put into place. Another man, Victor Minash. Went from making just six figures to robustly in the seven figures. And he's got, he does real estate investment and his real estate investments have gone into the, into the tens of millions of net worth side for him. Another man by the name of Chris Chen, one of my best clients went from making 150,000 a year to $1.3 million a year, simply because I helped him triple his price. Mm -hmm. He tripled his price. He got 10 times as many clients. Can you believe it? That means he was big time undercharging. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that you say that I was doing a speech and some people might know this story, but then your Americans most likely won't because it's not an American company. But I was doing a speech not too long ago in, in, at, a, at a major event. And one of the other keynote speaker was Franco Day. And I know Franco him Day well. Is, He's one of my best friends. He's awesome. 
Oh, no kidding. Isn't that funny? Well, so... And you, you know, know his story, story, right? Yeah, I totally know his story. It's, it's like he had uh, a couple of little coffee kiosks in the middle of uh, a mall. I believe it was in Ottawa. And next thing uh, he knows, he's in a situation where he's going to be bankrupt. He's just, no, he's just not getting the sales. No one's buying his coffee. And he's figuring, okay, I'm going to have to shut this business down. He's tried everything. He's done creative marketing. He's tried to hire the right people. And he says, well, there's one thing I haven't tried, and that is to triple my prices. And he tripled his prices on coffee. And he said before he knew it, he had lineups for his coffee. And then that gave him the ability to open up another kiosk and on another floor in the same <laughs> mall. And before you know it, Second Cup became one of the biggest coffee chains in all of Canada. And that is just a perfect example of what it is that you're talking about. You still have to have the value. He still has to have good coffee. Yeah. You can't have crappy coffee and do that because people will see right through that but you need to as long as you have the value like you're saying your programs or any one of these other programs you've mentioned these do revolutionize people's lives why wouldn't they want to pay thirty thousand dollars for something that's going to put them into a position where they're going to make an extra million dollars that's a no-brainer it's this a total no-brainer it's a total yeah. no-brainer I, I was having this conversation uh, via email with someone else who's, uh, who's actually been a client of ours, a wonderful person, but uh, hasn't been maybe as involved as some of our other clients. What we saw in our program, Stuart, is 65% of our, of our pro mastermind members are going to make between ten dollars and $200,000 a month this year. They are, they are actually making that right now. That's how I should put it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that means they're going to make between $120,000 and $2.5 million this year. 65% of our members. That's an incredible result. So if they're paying $40,000 to be you know, a member of this mastermind and the minimum return is 120,000 extra, you should do that all day long, shouldn't you? I mean, all day <laughs> yeah. long. Yeah. And, and if the maximum return is 2.5 million on a $40,000 return, that, I mean, you should have your head examined to even think about it, right? Yeah. And there's a 65% chance you'll triple your money to almost uh, 80 fold your money. Triple to 80-fold. Good returns, I would say. No, unless I'm crazy, right? No and, and And that's what we have to help people get because that's what thought leadership's about. You need to approach this as a business. It's a practice. It's not a hobby. It's not something you're doing for fun. It's not something you're dabbling in. If you're doing that, this podcast probably isn't for you. Definitely yeah. our program isn't for you. Definitely doing the kind of stuff you talk about isn't for you. Mm -hmm. But if you, you are serious, then you should – Buy Stewart's program. You should look at coming to one of our events and joining our community and our program. This is the sort of thing that will take your business to the next level and take you to a space where you're going to be crushing it, crushing it. So, Stuart, yeah. we like to end off every podcast by asking you, our guest, to give us your top three expert action steps that you recommend our listener take on. And then after that, we, we want to talk about something that you want the listeners to know about. So why don't, why don't we do that now? Okay, so uh, top three that come off to mind, I'm sure like anything else, I'll get off this podcast and I'll think of three more, but I'm going to reiterate some of the things I've already said because I think it's important to, to, to do that. Number one, you've got to put yourself into a pressurized situation, one that forces you to be your best. And I'm not suggesting that you do something that is um, brazen to the point where it would be considered uh, unhealthy or irresponsible, but to just come up with a solid uh, idea or to take a solid risk that is going to make you go, okay, uh, it's the first thing that you think about when you wake up in the morning because you're in that situation because that's going to push you to go 
further. Uh, the second thing I would say for people who are really serious about being successful in business, and I like that you've mentioned this on a few occasions through this podcast, is I'm such a huge believer in having mentors. I'm such a huge believer in making sure that you've got people in your life who have done something successful, either in the field you want to get into or in any field who you will be able to sit down with or you'll have a phone call with once a month, once every six weeks. And when you go into that phone call, you're prepared. You're not, you don't just go into that phone call and say, okay, so-and-so, here I am. So tell me what it is that you've learned in the last six weeks. No, 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 no. Go in and say, okay, I've got 10 questions and I'm going to uh, honor your time with these 10 questions. I'm not going to waste any time. And here are the things that I need you to teach me in this one-hour phone call. Uh, so get yourself a mentor. Okay. So put yourself into a risky position. A mentor will not only give you the advice, what you need in order to achieve the goals that you're trying to achieve, but in many cases, if they like you and they see that you're working hard, they are motivated to want to introduce you to people within their own network that will help you get that much further because they're just inspired by watching you be your best. Um, the third thing I would say is, to, and I'm going to come back to one of the points we made earlier on, is you have to be consistent. Okay, so it's, it's back to the sports examples. Anybody who has been one of the best at anything in a sport, you, if you look back, they consistently did something every single day. They just didn't, you know, Michael Phelps didn't jump into the pool once every two or three days. He jumped into the pool probably twice a day at the same time. And he did the same laps and he, and he pushed himself the same amount of strength and sometimes even further. And it was that consistency that caused him to just be, well, to be the, the most decorated uh, Olympic athlete of all time. In fact, ironically, I was talking to a guy last week whose son is currently training with Michael Phelps. And uh, Michael Phelps' coach made a point that I thought was really interesting. He said, Michael Phelps, he says, yes, is the greatest swimmer of all time based on his accolades. But he says, don't forget that the reason that Michael Phelps has all the medals that he has is not because he blew other people out of the water. It is because his finger touches just a tenth of a second faster than most people most often consistently. And it's because Michael Phelps consistently pushed himself every single day. And it's that little edge that you give yourself that's going to put you ahead of the competition and it's going to put you ahead of other people. So put yourself into a pressurized situation. Find people like mentors and support networks that help you, can help you get there. In many cases, that might be a program you pay for. And make sure that you are consistently dedicating yourself to being the best you can be every day. Not once a week, not once a month, every single day. Those are fantastic. And Thank I just you. want to reiterate around investing in programs because I'm such a believer in those. Robin Sharma taught me that if you want to double your income, you got to triple your investment in personal and professional development programs. And if your investment is zero, then you can't triple zero. You got to start investing. Mm-hmm. If you don't invest in personal and professional development programs, I do a course every quarter. I have right. four coaches two of them for business. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I have a peer group that I'm looking to join myself because I run yeah. peer groups. I need to be in one right now. I haven't been in a peer group for a while. Right. And I read, I've so far read 17 books this year. Right. And this is yeah. March 29th. My goal is to hit 85. It's really important for people to do this, Stuart. And I know you believe in this because not only do you read books, you write them for crying out loud, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, you know, I sat down with a friend of mine not too long ago who's a major, major success in, in real estate. And I was asking him about, you know, diversifying some of my money into real estate. 
And I, I loved what he said to me. He says, yeah, I can teach you how to do that, and I can give you some opportunities that we're working on. He says, but if you're going to have any extra money to divert into anything, he goes, I would just invest in yourself. He goes, just don't give it, don't go into real estate. He goes, because that's not what you know. He says, I know real estate. He says, but you know what you know. You know what you do and invest in that. And that's, that's when we, we started down the path of what we're doing right now is looking to hire someone for the company to do more work that we're, that we're trying to do. And, and it was like, Brilliant. it was just a, a no brainer for me. It really woke me up. And I was like, so if you're listening to this, figure out a way to invest in yourself, whether it's with the programs that we offer or a program that someone else out there is offering, keep investing in yourself. So Stuart, you've written some amazing books and here's what I want to say. If you're listening to this listener, run, don't walk to buy Stuart books. Don't just buy a copy for yourself, buy 10 more copies and give it to all your friends and families. And Stuart's got this amazing online program. Stuart, tell us a little bit about the online program so that people can find out about it and where they can get it. So the online program is called the Evolution Series, and it's a 15-week program. And basically, once a week, you have a video that lands in your inbox. You have a password. You get to go watch it. And it's me teaching you about one of the big subjects of life. It could be about your career. It could be about your relationships. It could be about your friendships. It could be about networking uh, or how to build powerful human relationships. It goes across the board. And every week, the idea is, is that you watch the video. You get inspired. And at the end of the video, you then um, have homework. Because I'm a big believer, you can't just watch a video and take a couple of notes and expect to get results. If you haven't picked up on it, Nikki and I are big believers in doing things. <laughs> so that's why there's a very strong homework component that goes on every single week. And every single week you're given tasks of things you have to do. Some of them are difficult and some of them are less difficult. But each week after 15 weeks of committing yourself to doing those tasks, at the end of that period, can you imagine how many little tasks you've done and how much further you've brought yourself closer toward being successful in business, being happy in life, and really getting the most of what life has to offer. So I call it the Evolution Series because in 15 weeks, you will evolve dramatically away from the person that you currently are, which is a great person, to even an even greater version of yourself. So yeah, if they want to get that, they can go to stuartknight.com and it's all there called the Evolution Series. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say. Go to stuartknight.com, get the Evolution Series, and right now this program is still a bargain. Stuart and I haven't had the benefit of sitting together over lunch or dinner where I'm going to persuade him to triple his price yet. So, <laughs> so make sure that you take advantage of the incredible price that he's offering this program for because the price is going to be going up and soon because this is a very valuable program. And right now what he's charging for it is definitely not even remotely what it's worth and what it can do for you in your life. So make sure you do that. And if you're wondering... Can I be the Stuart Knight of my niche? Do I have the knowledge? Do I have the expertise? Have I got what it takes? If that head chatter, if that head trash is getting in the way of you being able to live the best version of yourself inside your business, or if you haven't even started your business yet, getting out there and taking the plunge and being a plunger and starting your business, the best way to find out is take advantage of something we do here for you, just for you. We offer a free breakthrough vision call. It's 40 minutes long. We're going to go delve in to your business. We're going to delve into your expertise. We're going to help you figure out what it's really worth, how commercial it really can be in the marketplace. And here's the best part. This call is absolutely free. It There is no obligation. We are not slimy salespeople. We're not going to go into the call with the objective of trying to trick you into doing something you don't want to do. I'll be straight up with you. 
if we can help you, if out of that call, it, it makes sense that we can help you, we'll tell you about our programs. We'll tell you how much they cost. Full disclosure on that part, but we're not going to be there to try and finagle you, trick you like a fuller brush salesman into doing something you don't want or shouldn't do. Here's what we have to say. Stuart and I both agree on this. If something is not the right fit for you, if it's not going to help you get to the next level, even if someone pays you to do it, you shouldn't do it. But if it is the right fit for you, if it is going to take you to the next level, invest in yourself. If you have to, take out a loan so you can buy Stuart's program and take out a loan so you can figure out what you need to figure out. But for now, jump on this free call. Let's help you figure out what your business is really worth, what your expertise is really worth, what your IP is really worth in the open market. Beautiful. And Stuart, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure, my pleasure. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about the incredible Stuart Knight, Go to the show notes, go to stuartknight.com, check out the Evolution Series, and if you're super curious about what your IP is worth, and if you've been stuck for a long time and you want to get unstuck, you want to get to the next level, let's jump on that Breakthrough Vision call. To do that, go to eCircleAcademy forward slash appointment. That's eCircleAcademy.com forward slash appointment. All of this will be in the show notes. Until next time, goodbye.